Receiving emergency transmission. Decryption successful. Transmission begins. Year 264, month 7, summer. From Exile's End. I know we just activated Protocol Uchuk, but this news cannot wait, and all of our agents need to hear this immediately. The hub has been activated. Repeat, the hub has been activated. If we know this, then so does the church, and so does the XCOM. We do not know who reactivated the hub or where it is right now. Be assured that everyone will be looking for it, including us. Keep your eyes on the sun and step lightly. Transmission ends. Hey folks, sorry to interrupt, but just a quick note here. The audio quality has been bad in Chapter 4, and we apologize for that. We recorded this back in October, and I got the mix wrong. It's my fault. I've done all I can to salvage this chapter in terms of audio quality. I've had to re-record a few parts, but for the most part, it's just not good. It's listenable, and that's the best I could do. The next few chapters will be better, so look forward to it. All right. So what do you do, Keva? Uh, I guess Keva's going to just kind of put on all this jewelry and kind of lay on the floor so she doesn't fall like Emeryn did. I don't really think she trusts Maeve to catch her with her weak little noodle arms. And um, she kind of just lays there tries to tap into whatever psychic thing she has going on, and I think she looks reminiscent of an ancient pharaoh laying there with all her, her jewelry on, just kind of stealing herself for this mental journey or, or whatever she's going to do. So when you put the earrings in, that's the only jewelry you have that pierces your skin, right? Yes. You put the earrings in, and that's when it happens. You feel uh, a strong shock, an electrical surge, uh, as if you were struck by lightning. Your hair all stands on end. And Maeve, you can see this happening. That must be interesting, since all the hair is very long. Yeah. Like, uh, Keva goes rigid and her hair all suddenly sticks out directly from her head, like, uh, like the arms of the sun. Maybe's taking notes. Good, good. Um, for Keva, you can feel this and it hurts. It's not very good, but you can't make any noise because your teeth are clenched together. You can feel your jaw starting to ache from the pressure as well. Mm. Maybe something like a... But after a while, it's difficult for you to tell how long it is, but uh, Maeve is, I assume, counting, so Maeve knows it's exactly 25 seconds. You feel the tension leave you all at once. All of the tension that you've been carrying is gone. You feel like you're melting into a puddle. Okay. Uh, like in a good way. It feels nice. Oh. And your hair sort of goes uh, limp again. It's no longer sticking up and sticking out. Has it escaped? Like, is it no longer braid or hair is just hanging loose? Oh, yeah. At this any, point? Any braids you had have been completely undone by the hair. Uh, the force of your hair escaping from its bonds. So that it was all sort of like a sticking out like a big fluff around your head like a dandelion and now it's seated back to the ground uh, and over your face and so on um but it, it feels different it feels kind of smooth slick to the touch if you touch it like it's like it's wet or kind of that but sort of stiffness sort of but it's not wet to you it would feel sort of like if you had just conditioned your hair Ah. Uh, and you are, are you, is Keva touching your hair? 
I think she's kind of like loosening her jaw for a second. Then she kind of like parts like the curtain of hair in front of her face. Like, what the heck? You know, what just happened? Uh, as you touch the hair that's in front of your face, you know, it parts as your hair normally would. Um, but when your hand brushes over the hair that's coming out of where your temple is, like that bit of hair there, you feel that there's nothing there. Where there should be hair over your temples, there is not right now. It's bare, smooth skin in a perfect circle. Oh. Uh-huh. Uh, Keva is immediately, like, feeling it, like, what, uh, uh, uh you know? So this, this circle of absence of hair is on both sides, like directly over your temples, basically. And that hair is just gone. May You may have noticed it essentially disintegrating when her hair all stood up on end. Just that hair, though. The rest of her hair is still there. Um... I guess that was a shocking discovery. How do you feel? Well, um, not right. Not right at all. As you continue to probe at your temples, you start to feel that they're swollen. And Maeve, if you, are you going to go and look at that? Like, are you going to lean in to look at Oh, I'm giving her the same routine I gave Zona, and I'm just circling. Okay. So you can see that they are, there is like a bump. Normally your temples are not like protruding. But at the moment, Kevas are slightly, it's like a, a dome, slightly raised. Again, just in that localized area. I mean, does it look as bad as it feels? I don't know. How bad does it feel? Like some of my hair is missing. A very noticeable amount right at the front of my face. Would you like a gentle affirmation or a candid observation? You know what? Give it to me gentle this time. It doesn't look that bad? By comparison to everything else? Okay, now I want to know what you mean by everything else. It is not the worst thing that has happened. You were not penetrated by a stinger, and you are not blind. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Is the headache gone? Uh. The intense headache is gone. The pain in your spine is gone. But there is an ache there. Sort of like, have you ever had growing pains? Yeah. Sort of like that. Well, Maeve, it hurts less than it did before. That's a good sign. Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, Keva is gonna, like, go into the bathroom and, and kind of inspect the bumps. And I guess maybe try to figure out how to hide this. No, you've got that. Do something about it. Could put on. Well, would that cover? Would that cover it? Yeah, I mean they're not big bumps. This is not a huge patch that's missing from your hair. It's a little circle, about an half an inch across in diameter. So bigger than a penny, or about the size of a penny, or I'd say slightly smaller than a penny. Mm, so more like dime. Yeah, around that size. Oh, okay then. I think she would try to just go about maybe like braiding her hair in a way that would make it less obvious. Maybe put a hair clip over it. Alright. It's not too difficult to hide. You know it. You know that it's gone. Uh, you know, people who spend a lot of time staring at your hair might notice that it's gone. But you're very good at doing your hair. You've always taken extremely good care of it. So once you put it up, once you have it done how you want it done, most people wouldn't notice. I'm guessing that maybe Emrin wouldn't, or Deg would notice, but... 
Kepha's done something different with her hair. Why is that? Yeah. So, does Keva feel any different? Like, she has some weird, sort of weird thing she can tap into now, or is just a patch of baldness her superpower? <laughs> right now? Is, Sorry. No, you know, right now, as far as you can tell, that's it. There's nothing in this immediate area that's activating whatever it is, if there is anything. Well, that's lame. Well... The pain is mostly gone. It's just this growing pain that you're feeling, and all the tension that you had in your body is also gone. Like, your muscles are extremely relaxed. You feel like you've had an excellent massage. Ooh. Well, I guess Kevin's going to dust herself off figuratively and literally and just be like, okay, well, I guess it's time to get ready for our road trip. All right. So, uh, Emran, you went to Platform 2 to wait, right? I have been here for a few moments. All right, so you're hanging out there. Who else is arriving there? Zonin is arriving there. All right, you arrive there in your in your high tops, and your are you wearing your auditor gear or is that? Yeah, no, I'm going to own that for a little while. Okay, you're still wearing it then. Emran um, visibly shudders when the auditor comes around the corner, but then he calms himself. Oh, do I see the shudder? I don't know. Do you make a quick roll? Okay. Are you trying to hide your shutter? Yeah, Emran doesn't want to actually appear afraid, so I would um, I would oppose make this. A, make a sneaky roll. Okay, Emran, you got a fair roll, and Zonin, you got <laughs> a negative one. So, uh, Zonin, you don't notice it, no. You're too busy looking at all the different readouts, and uh, Matt Damon is highlighting different things as you walk by, and tagging the little notes, threat assessments, and so on. Cool. Um, quick question. Oh, well, first, I just want to apologize for Zonin's uh, insensitivity. Not my fault. He's just not quick. Um, but also, uh, does Matt Damon um, kind of have a water conservation agenda, or is it just like readouts on everything? No, just readouts on everything right now. Like okay, every, cool. Everything, everything. Like, there's a plant growing through a wall, and it's like, yeah, there's a plant. He's not saying that, but there's like, it tells you what kind of plant it is. There's a, uh, like, a would you like to know more thing that if you look at it, it opens up another window in your vision and stuff. It highlights Emran's shield, and there's like a series of question marks or the equivalent in this language. The stun baton receives a similar treatment. It doesn't know what that is. And, you know, so on and so forth. It's, cool. your, your view is pretty cluttered. Do little, like, light bulbs appear and, like, little, like, thought bubbles that you can click on and then get funny responses? Imagine when you first start playing an MMO. And yeah. There are seven billion prompts that come up across yeah. the entire screen. It's like that right now. You're in tutorial mode for your helmet. Do I can look at that. Do you want to learn how to walk forward? Yeah. Is it an ever-present pit boy I don't think it's as fun as a Pip-Boy. Matt Damon's not very nice. I like to pretend that uh, Hub has a, a yellow exclamation point above his head. Above their head? Yeah, probably. Yes, their head, sorry. Um, so, yeah, Hub is not there at the moment. Hub's off doing their own thing. Before we leave, I would like to give Keva the red jelly bean and have the Evan Dowager meet me somewhere before I head off to Platform 2. Okay. Um, you meet up with the Evan Dowager in, let's say, the food court? I will give her a hug. And then, in the most, the best mixture of menacing and nurturing I can muster, I will tell her that I will be coming back. She's not thrilled with the hug, but she submits to it. And uh, you just see her sort of slavering mandibles chittering at you. Oh, so the spider gets a hug easily, but Kevin doesn't? It doesn't seem like a nice hug. I don't think it's like a mob hug. Yeah, I don't think it's the kind of hug you'd want from Maeve. Okay. Okay, well, that's done. The Evan Dowager slinks back into one of her warrens and disappears. So I imagine that Keva is like the last one to arrive since she kind of has a slower start than everyone else, having been uh, unlocking her hidden ability or whatever you want to call it. Okay. So you've reached, all of you have reached platform two, and you're sort of all standing around waiting? Well, Keva has not seen Zonin wearing the, the auditor stuff before. Yeah, she hasn't. 
So uh, I think as soon as she turns the corner, she's kind of like self-conscious, like, oh gosh, are they going to... Oh my god! You go into attack mode? Are you getting ready oh, to fight or flight? Like, Keva has a baton out, and then is like, oh, Zonin? In that moment, before you recognize that it's Zonin and not an auditor, uh, something new happens to you. Oh. I'm not, I'm not sure if you remember, because it didn't seem like a very big deal, but there's these patches of hairlessness and these bumps on your temples. Yeah. Something comes out of them. Oh. Uh, several, basically, strands, hair-thin strands of silver metal spring out of your temples and form a pair of, like, long arms, almost. It's sort of just a long, flowing line of interwoven silver hair that comes to a point, and it appears to be a pair of blades. Oh. Begin to rush towards Zonin. Sick. Uh, uh. They stop the moment you recognize him and retract into your head. Emrin turns his head slightly alarmed towards you, Keva, and he, he, um, he casts a sidelong glance at Maeve and says, Gone down the rabbit hole, too. I see. How did you see that, Emrin? Out of a shield. Oh, so remember, you have, to, you have to concentrate. Oh, I do? My mistake. I thought it was passive. Never mind. So he heard something, but... Yeah, you would have heard like a... What's hissing at me? Would you like a gentle affirmation or a candid observation? No, I always want candid. Keva can grow blades at the sides of her head. Emrin just coughs a few times, trying to metabolize that. This is another good opportunity to remind you that the medical logs I gave you are not optional. Oh, so I have to be writing stuff down too? Ideally. Okay. How are you feeling about this? Hmm. <laughs> Is there still... It, it Has it gone back to being bald again, or...? Yeah, it's the same as it was before. It's a little bald patch with a slight bump. Uh-huh. Huh. Uh, what was the readout that Zonin saw through Matt Damon when the blades came out? Uh, you saw a series of readouts. One was incoming attack. The other was shield not found. The other was powering weapons. And you feel you can see the, the left hand starting to glow. Uh, and there's like a unidentified, unidentified kind of stuff going on. Okay, so uh, Auditor Helmet has no idea what's going on. It knows it's under attack. And my Damon's like, what the heck is that? That's, that's an impeccable Matt Damon. With an eye. Yeah, yeah. Legally distinct. <laughs> you know that, the, like, finger-waving arm thing that Jack Sparrow does? Yeah. I'm just gonna do that real quick at Keva, because I saw pincers and I'm like, maybe she's one of mine. And something else. I'll make a note of it. Kev is not one of your bug slaves. Vassals. Sorry. <laughs> She's not your bug vassal, though I guess technically Maeve would see Keva as being under her in a sense, maybe. I don't know. So Emrin turns a blind eye to what has happened and um, wonders aloud, when do you think Hub is going to be sending that, what was the word they used, tram? Train. Train. Sure, train. Uh, Hub shows up now that you've spoken their name. Oh, hello. Are you all ready Are to go? On? Yes, Hub. Thank you. You look tense. <laughs> What's wrong? A new development. Oh, do we need to change our plans? Keva? Uh, I mean... You said... When you scanned me... That there was blending? Yeah, I'm not really sure what's going on, but yeah. Well, a minute ago, when I saw Zonin dressed up as his auditor, which, by the way, Zonin, I'm not a fan of this new look. Sorry. 
I am a big fan. Anyway, I freaked out. And um, apparently, whatever latent ability, whatever I tapped into a little while ago, metal shot out like blades and almost attacked him. Wow, that sounds cool. Mm. It definitely sounded like it was cool. I'm not really sure what's going on with that, but it could be useful, right? Yeah, I guess. Just try to try to see the good. Um, do you think like Kevin might be like, hmm, and then for a second be like, hey, someone throw something like a rock. Emran stoops down and uh, grabs a pebble and chucks it in the air near her. Or nope, he can't do that. So Emran does neither of those things. You can do that. I mean, you just concentrate a bit and you can see. But you have to be concentrating on seeing at the time. Can we teach Emran echolocation? I don't think so. Well, maybe. Humans are capable of it. I'm going to make it one of my life's many works to teach him to get around by walking around banging two coconuts together. (laughs) I know that there's one kid who clicks with his tongue on some sort of medical special. Yeah, humans can do it. Anyway, Amran, you pick up a rock and you throw it, right? It's, you can, you're more than capable of doing that. Definitely am capable of throwing things. Yeah. And Kevin's going to try to focus, like, attack, like, hit that rock. Uh, so you look at the rock, and where, where did Amran throw it? In the general direction of her and Maeve. Okay. The rock is coming towards you, and when you think attack... Uh, one side of the silver comes out and streaks over to attempt to strike down the rock. Uh, but you'll need to make a quick roll. Ooh, okay. Quick. Uh, it sort of goes past the rock. It's close, but it doesn't quite hit it. And the rock lands near you, unmolested. Well, at least it didn't hit me. <laughs> yeah. So what happened? Did you Did you hit the rock? I heard something hit the ground. Mm, no, but it did come out, which was weird. How does that feel, I wonder? It doesn't feel bad. Uh, there's sort of a... Uh, it's kind of like a pimple popping. Ah. Wow, that's See, like thought- a not, not fun way to describe superpowers. I imagined that it was kind of like just the feeling of your hair being moved, like, up, not in a painful direction, but just sort of like a... Ugh. Well, it has to come out first. Ah. Uh, once it's out, you, you can't feel... Well, you haven't tried that yet. But once it comes out, it doesn't feel like much. There's a slight tugging on that part of your head. Okay. When it, when it deploys, there's that initial pop. You have sort of uh, claps their holographic hands together and... Uh, emits the sound of applause. I, I didn't hit it, Hub. Oh, but you made such a good effort. So, are we going to go on this mission, or what's the plan now? All right, Hub. I think it's time. Yeah. Okay. Please stand on platform five. Single file. There's a, a strip. It's actually quite long. It looks like it could hold a couple hundred people comfortably, but it says five several times along the ground in a, well, a hub has said it so that it says it in a language that you recognize. The number five is, sorry, we're on platform two. The number two is scrolling along the ground. Emran reaches out and places a hand on Zonin. If you wouldn't mind leading me. Absolutely. Be the Virgil to Dante, even though I wouldn't know those people. I'm sure there's an equivalent story. No, Hub says, ah, yes, you're the Virgil to his Dante. The what? Ah, never mind. Okay, (laughs) line up, single file, just along the right side. There we go. And one, two, three. And you get sucked into the ground. Emerald's having really fun flashbacks about the first time this happened, and all the good feelings that went with it. Kevin's having flashbacks to the second time that they went through this, and all the even better things that went with that one. Maeve realizes she only brought one writing utensil, and if she loses it, she's going to be pissed. (laughs) 
So there's a rushing sensation. Uh, it lasts a little while, not, not a huge amount of time. But it's a similar amount of time to when you first came here. What are my readouts during this transition? A bunch of errors. Okay. All right. You should be over on another great map. And you rise up out of the ground. You look down at your feet, and you see the two continuing to scroll along the ground. And ahead of you is a big, dusty old room. There's uh, doors on the far end. It's dark in here. Obviously, the power doesn't include too much in the way of lights. Like, it's dark, but there are some lights somewhere, maybe emergency lights, that allow you to see the room dimly. Although, Amran, I don't know, have you been practicing looking through your shield and stuff in different conditions? Certainly. I feel like um, I'll probably go on threat assessment and we'll um, actually actively start looking through his shield because of the, the new um, area. So what you've noticed and what you notice now is that, uh, well, you, you may not actually have noticed this, but perhaps you've experimented. Uh, it doesn't matter how much light there is in an area. You can always see just fine through the shield. Hype. And as you're looking now, you see it looks quite similar to the room that you just left, uh, except the you're now facing the opposite direction. You see there's some stairs just ahead of you, and beyond those stairs, uh, ground, and then doors at the far end. So it just looks like an arrivals area, and a, a, lar a long bank of doors, like there's eight doors, some with glass, some with the glass missing. Similar to the hotel, but more doors. Emran takes point and starts um, exploring the new premises. All right. So it's not uh, it's not as badly damaged as Hub was. Uh, it doesn't look like there are any fights going on in here. It's just dark and dusty, like it hasn't been used in a very long time. But beyond that, it's just an empty room. There's the platforms, the stairs, the doors. That's it. Um, I got a quick question for you. Do I have to actively tell you that I'm looking for small pieces of that SGM, or is it kind of a passive thing that you'll tell me if I see it? Have you told Matt Damon to scan for that stuff? I think I did. If I didn't, I have now, telepathically. Okay. So in your helmet, Matt Damon's like, What just happened? Where are we? What? Where? Oh, we're uh, looking for your body. Here? What is this place? Oh, um... You know, I'm I'm not too sure. This is all very new to me, but as soon as I have any information, I'll relay it to you. All right. I mean, do you want me to amp up your amp up your eyes here? I mean, it seems like it's dark. Yeah, you can do that. Yeah, it's not perfect, but uh... and you get you get night vision, like green greenish tinted. Not great, but you can see. Great. That's good enough for me. I mean, I can also do this. And uh, the sun eye just becomes a light. Oh, um, I, I say to the rest of the group, does this help? Tremendously. Does what yeah. help? What are you doing? Oh, uh, not, you know, I'm not sure. I think I'm a flashlight. I also don't know what a flashlight is, but I think I'm that. Yeah, you're a light now. Wherever the eye points, uh, it's, like, it's like a beacon kind of thing. So it lights stuff up pretty well in whatever direction it's pointing. Perfect. I would, like, I would like a moment to see if I can reach out to anything telepathically. You can feel some small, uh, well, actually, you can feel lots of life, uh, insectoid life. It's all small, though, so it's not the kind of stuff you can control yet, but you can maybe use that as, a, as an early warning system if they scatter from something approaching or something like that. There are insects starting to gather around your feet. I will announce my presence and just kind of keep, I don't know, sort of a passive eye to see if anything jarring startles them. Okay. They're just following you around like they always do. But these are the ones from here, not the ones from the hub. Emrina approaches the, the bank of doors ahead of him. Okay. They are... Somebody has barred them from this side. Like with... Uh, looks like furniture, wood, other materials. They have blocked these doors from opening inwards. They would normally open inwards into this room. How, how zombie-proof does it look? They're glass doors, so not terribly, but uh, if the glass were still there, this would be a decent barricade to people getting in. Ooh. 
Amran's going to hoist his shield on his back and start moving some of the debris so he can get to one of the doors. Okay. Kevo will help. So you two want to make a um, forceful roll, and I need to have a good roll here to clear away enough debris to open a door. Both of us, or... Well, whoever is taking lead, and then the other person will give them a plus one. Uh, can I also give a plus one? I'd like to help. Because this is uh, the type of situation where more people is helpful rather than getting in the way? Yeah, sure. Perfect. Forceful plus two. Can I be the foreman and director efforts? Yes, but that's not actually helpful. You just feel like you're helping. That's the goal. Sounds like every foreman I ever met. Eight. <laughs> okay. Um, so you're able to move enough debris uh, away from two of the banks of doors, and you're able to pull off the bars that they have put up, and you can now open the doors. You have to use, like, your... Uh, at one point, you have to use, like, your batons and other stuff to lever things away from the doors that have been, like, nailed on there. Certainly, I wouldn't have shied away from that. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So if at all possible, Emrin will uh, pull open one of the formerly glass doors and peer into the antechamber. Uh, you open the door, and there are a couple skeletons that were slumped against it, and they fall inwards with the doors, and they're, you know, they're, they disintegrate a bit. They fall apart a bit. They Yep, human skeletons. What was that clatter? Yeah, I mean, if you've got space for them. Um, so as you open the doors, more of these fall in. And uh, what do you, how do you react to this? What do you do? What was that clattering? I, more furniture outside? No. More skeletons. Emran blanches a bit. Oh, I see. Maeve, just pile the ones you want to keep by the transporting. We don't need to carry them to and from where we're going. Fair enough. You'll theoretically be coming back this way, so you might not want to spend your time right now. Do you emerge into the through the doors? Are you going through them, or are you waiting here? Uh, Emran will cautiously step through the doors and give himself a bit of a survey with his shield. Okay. There are hundreds of skeletons out here. Hundreds of human skeletons. Oh. Most of them are piled up near the doors as if they were trying to push their way through. Emran doesn't say anything, and he does a, a, a 180 of the room in front of him. You are in a large open space. There's uh, some stairs. They look similar to those moving stairs that uh, are in the hub. And, like, there's enough of them that they stretch across the whole bank of doors past this platform. And then they lead down to another large open space below, which has similar architecture, design, and decoration to what you saw in the hub shopping area. Emran signals that the rest of the party can follow as he steps forward and uh, finds a bit of a clearing to wait in. Who were all of these people? Keva's having a hard time moving ahead. She's kind of frozen and staring, just kind of like, you know, she's never, like, Sure, it was kind of an oddity and, and more like a kind of interesting, the skeletons that they found back at Hub, the three or four, however many it was. But this is just way too many. Like, she's just like frozen. Like, what? Yeah, it's a lot. Emran says victims of whatever the emergency happened to be. Maybe we'll get answers here. Or revenge. I will telepathically tell the bugs more skulls for the skull throne. Yeah, there's no response. You cannot feel your swarms. Like back at the hub, you're too far away. Oh, I meant these little ones. Oh, yeah, they don't respond. They're just following you. Does, uh, well, does Zonin's helmet, does Matt Damon say anything about that? Yeah, do I see anything in particularly, er, that's particularly interesting? Uh, so Matt Damon's like, Wow, that's some impressive work. Oh, do you mean this was done by an auditor? No, 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 no. That wouldn't leave skeletons behind. That would be sloppy. Then what do you think did this? Oh, I don't know. Let's see. Uh, do a little passive scan here. Hmm. Uh, whatever happened a long, long time ago. Maybe poison, maybe suffocation. Uh, I don't know. Okay, I relate that to the team. Wait, 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 wait. The the ghost inside your helmet is Matt Damon? He's a Matt Damon. 
Well, he said he's a daemon, and his name is Matt. Yeah, he named him Matt, so... Yeah, it's just easier to remember than uh, whatever the acronym was. I forget at this point. Degenerated artificial intelligence man. Yeah, yeah, what he said. Actually, after hearing that from Matt Damon, I want to take a closer look at the skeleton and see if there are any visible lacerations or, like, broken bones. Okay, you make a clever roll to overcome that obstacle. Sure. I hope there aren't, like, the holes in their head where their brains boiled and then popped, like in Herculaneum or Pompeii. So you see um, some of the... You got a, a good roll there. You see some of the skeletons have... Like, they look like they may have had broken bones at some point, but it doesn't look like that's the cause of the death. Others of the skeletons, uh, like, are crushed, but I don't know if you're going to share this, but you would deduce that that's because they were trampled, not because of uh, whatever killed everybody else. But that would lead you to believe that whatever happened here happened quickly. But their skulls aren't broken. Some of theirs are. The ones that are further back from the doors, a few of them. But not all of them. No. Which... Which rules out the Pompeii brain-boiling theory. Thank God. You're not likely to have a, a volcano on a space station. No, no, no. It was just an extreme case of heat. That's what killed them. There's also other stuff here uh, that you can see, like um, probably whatever they were purchasing while they were here. A lot of that's gone, crushed, degraded, uh, disintegrated, and so on. But you can see the occasional, like, glint of tarnished metal or that material that Hub tells you is called plastic that lasts for a long time. Plastique? Just plastic. No explosives here. Emran walks towards one of the moving staircases and places his hand on uh, one of the, the rails, so to speak. Okay. Uh, there's no... It's not made of of the material of the silicate graphene mesh, but there is there are some components within it that are made from that. So you, you see like a here and there, there's a little ping of it inside the stairs. They're not working right now. The power is not on. Emerald would try would would like to attempt to uh, submerge his consciousness into uh, an awareness just through the mesh and see if it can lead him to anything in particular, like a power source or a, a dormant generator. Okay, so because there aren't that many components made of the SGM, you would have to use, like, deduction to figure out where this is attached, so you'll need to make a clever roll for that. Understood. And we'll see where that goes. And that's a zero. Okay, you're, you're not able to deduce where power might be coming from. I think that I'll, um, I'll burn a fate point using my, one of my aspects I see through the shells of my dead gods. Okay. I'll just give myself a plus two. Okay. With that, you can find uh, a pattern in the way some of these components are laid out. There are maybe nodes of some sort that connect uh, the wiring. So you can guess that the power source is somewhere deeper down in this building. Probably somewhere deeper down and back the way you came. So... Is it like back to the hub? Or just back to where deeper the you just came out of? Got you. So, um, do we need the power on to do what we need to do? I know we were going to explode the soil above us. You don't need the power. And break out. No. We just need to find the device, make the alterations that Hub has put on a diagram for you, and then turn it on. Evan was just exploring the his personal side quest to try and get more power potentially routed back to Hub. Okay. Yeah, so you, you can gather that there is a generator of some sort here, but whether it's uh, whether it's working or not is difficult to say. Emrid nods thoughtfully and turns his head in the general direction of where the group um, seems to be and says, Well, I suppose we should head up. I'll keep taking point if everyone's all right with that. Lead the way. Fine with me. Sorry, you do have a map that Hub gave you of this area, so navigation is not difficult because you don't know where to go. It's just going to be difficult if there are obstacles or anything in the way. I also have maps loaded up into my helmet, correct? You can ask if there's a map of this, but remember Matt Damon didn't know where you were or what this building was. Oh, good point. I won't ask because I know he won't know. Uh, all right, so the map tells you that you have to go up three levels and then head east towards the center of the mall. And finally, there will be one more level up that you have to go, and the device should be there at the top of the mall. Now, we're going to do this uh, in a bit of a montage. 
So as you are moving through the mall, I'm going to describe to you an obstacle that you face or a challenge you need to overcome. And you're going to tell me who deals with it, and then we'll make a roll based on that. Sounds good. So your first obstacle is that you come to a stairwell, and the stairs are broken pretty severely. Something has grown through and over them and pulled them apart, like some type of ivy that was maybe decorative at one point, but became destructive when left unchecked. So in order to get up to the next level, you're going to have to find a way to bridge that gap in the stairs or some other method of getting up there. Essentially, you've got a few bottom stairs, big hole, and if you look down below, you can see in the darkness, as if you can see in the darkness, just a pile of stair rubble on the floor below, and then a few more stairs at the top, uh, and it's just an empty space in between. It's about, I'll say, seven, eight meters across of empty space going up at an angle. Damn. Yeah. So throwing people would be a dodgy proposition. Yep. Rope ladder, I think, might help. So we found a rope. Well, we should be able to use these vines to fashion some sort of rope. Okay. So, Zonin, do you want to make a rope or use the vines to try and anchor a safe way across? Yes, I do. I will help him with, uh, with, you know, prior knowledge of formulating traps and just being fairly crafty. Just give him that plus one. Okay. So, uh, Zonin, this is clever. And you got a five, which is very good. So, uh, describe this contraption that you build with Emberin's help. Um, uh, I guess we're going to take these vines and kind of, uh, thread them in a three core, three strand cord to make it extra strong. Mm-hmm. We get a long rope and then we, uh, fashion a lasso on the one end and then uh, throw it up to the top of the stairs and catch on to like a railing that had uh, an arm poking out and, and, uh, and hitch onto it and, uh, then fasten it to the bottom. So we have kind of a rope to climb up. Okay, you're all able to climb across the rope to get up to the next floor, and that brings you up there. The next danger or obstacle that you run into is you run across a store that looks like it was a plant store, and it has become first wildly overgrown, then rotted, then wildly overgrown again with some type of fungus, and now it is basically just a lot of giant old dead branches and vines and also gross-looking fungus that you know is dangerous, uh, at least Maeve and Keva know is dangerous from their experience with mushrooms, and this is blocking your way forward. I know someone with blades in their head. <laughs> yes. That might help with the with the branches and the vines. What are you going to do about these poisonous spores? Burn them. No. Well... People got far enough away, we could try to burn them and then, mm, wait, it might spread. Hmm. Does it look like it would spread? Or it might burn itself out? Or would that take too much time? To burn through this wall would, I mean, if you set, if you just set a fire to it, it might take a while. Uh, if you had a concentrated source of heat, you might be able to burn a hole in it more quickly. Oh. You figure out a safe way to breathe so that you don't get poisoned by spores. Well, I know that you could at least wet a rag and use that as a rudimentary filtration. I'm going to ask Matt Damon if he has any sort of filtration system. Yeah, of course. What do you take me for? Uh, Good point. I uh, relate to Keva that I, I can, you know, withstand the spores. Okay. So, I guess we could kind of one-two punch it, like Keva take that with the blades, breaks it all down, and then has zone in, burn, whatever needs to be burnt with the auditor glove. Okay, so you're going to put a covering over your mouth and nose? Yes, a wet rag to block the spores out while she, I guess, stabs it away. Okay, so you're going to try and direct your hair blades to chop through this. That's going to be a forceful roll, and I got help from Zonin, so you add plus one to that. Yay. Okay, good. Yeah, four plus one, five. Yeah, your hair blades go snicker-snack, and you're able to carve yourself away through the uh, dead 
and some of the still living uh, plants in the way. And uh, Zonin is able to burn away the offending mushrooms and the spores with uh, the beam from his arm. It's not super powerful, but it is enough for this. You know, if I had another, I could make the aspect Vorpal Blade hair. Uh. <laughs> okay, so that's uh, gotten you past that obstacle. And there's one more obstacle that you have to get to, or have to get past, rather. Uh, along the way, you run into a pack of wild animals up on the top floor. They've gotten in here somehow. And these are wild dogs. They're not like the ones that you have back in the towns. These are like they're wild dogs. Keep zoning away from them. Yes. Wait, is that like W-I-L-D or W-Y-L-D? No, this is an I. No air guitar. Uh, they see you approaching what they have clearly marked as their territory, and you need to get past them or around them in order to get to the final steps that will take you up to the top of the mall. They growl. They've got their hackles up. Can I try to identify the alpha in the pack? Uh, sure, yeah, you can try to see who's in charge. That would be a clever roll. All right, you got the clever roll. You can see that uh, one dog in particular, she looks like she's the biggest and toughest. Uh, she's scarred. She's missing an eye. There are, uh, you know, bites out of her ear. She looks like she knows how to handle herself, and the rest of the dogs are taking her lead. She hasn't attacked yet, but she looks like she's ready to. They've clearly seen humans before and know that humans are dangerous. There are about 15 of them. I reach into my go bag of hats and pull out the T-bone steak I keep on hand for occasions such as this. Yeah, I don't think you've got a T-bone steak on you. <laughs> oh, that was worth a shot. I mean, A, cows don't exist here. And B, you don't have any fresh food at the hub. Kava, you're good with animals. Oh, yeah, I am. Huh. I'll offer you that compel. I think that's one of your aspects, right? Yes, it, it is. Animal magnetism. Okay. So what do you want to do with that? Well, Keva knows that dogs obviously have a hierarchy. Uh, well, some of them do. And that this family group obviously feels this is their territory and we're invading it and we're a threat. So there's two uh, ways about it. One, making them see us as not a threat or uh, making them see us as them. The latter would take a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, hmm. It's not really Keva's way to want to push her way around or uh, and intimidate. Right. You could try to it's convince not, them that you're not a threat. Yeah. So I guess we'll go with that that ter with that way. Keva's going to try to make everybody try to look small and, and try to like show their like I know with wolves or dogs like if you show your belly that's one way of showing that you're submissive. So Keva would instruct everyone to kind of just be like Hey, show that we're not a threat. So that's a sneaky roll. Yeah. Let's see how we do. Okay. So that was a three. That's not that bad. Mm -hmm. That's good enough. The dogs continue to growl at you and watch you carefully as you walk past their territory, but they do not attack. Yay. <laughs> and you're able to sort of back away once you get past them to the stairs and then follow those up. And up at the top of the stairs... You've reached the top of the mall, and here's the machine that Hub told you to expect here. Do we know what type of machine it is? Hub was trying to explain to you what it does, but was having a difficult time finding ways to put it in terms that you understood. Um, sort of from what you under, from what you could gather, it was supposed to be a defensive thing, not necessarily against attacks, but against like weather. Or unexpected hail or something like that. Oh, okay. So maybe meteorites or something like that. Okay. Well, this is, again, this is facing the inside of the station. So it wouldn't be for external threats. It would be like for the rain is too heavy or there is hail today. See, I would think if there was a space station, they'd be able to control the weather inside of it. But, uh, well, whatever. Oh, they can. But there's also, there's a whole philosophy behind it that, Maybe you'll find out someday. Oh, boy. So, who's holding that diagram that Hob gave us? I don't know. Who's got it? I probably have it. Who wants to work on the machine? There's probably space for 
two people to work on it at once. I'll finally make myself useful. And I'll help her out. So this machine, uh, it's not made of, of the SGM, but it does have plates and stuff that need to be removed to get at its guts. So you can probably use some of those screwdrivers or something else uh, to remove bolts and stuff. And uh, if you're able to get that done, some of the bolt, it's not rusted because they use materials that don't rust in their machines here, but it is, it's stiff from age and there's like grime that's built up on it. Dust has gotten into it. So it'll require require some brute force to get these panels open. So you'll need to make another forceful roll there. I am your giant man. Give it a shot. Yeah, it's a very good roll. You got a seven there. Uh, so Emran makes this look essentially effortless. Uh, he slots uh, the wrench around the bolt and just with a... <clears throat> pulls it open and uh, the bolt is swiftly removed. Uh, levers away the top plate there, and then there's one underneath with some screws in it. Just twists those off as if it were nothing. And uh, within like less than a minute, he's got this machine open to Maeve's inspection. Golf claps all around. If I could hold down to talk and clap at the same time, I would. Gotta get creative. You did it. Did that, did that make any noise? I'm really proud of you. Really proud of you. All right, Maeve, you're up. Uh, Would this be a clever roll? Unsurprisingly, yes. This is a clever roll to rewire this machine in the way that Hub has indicated. Is there any SGM in the wiring? No. Confounded. Okay, so you've rolled a six there, and uh, you are able to switch around the wires the way that uh, Hub told you to. You attach a little device in the middle of it. And their final instructions were? Stand well back. Everyone give a room. Um, Emran crowds everyone into a defensible-looking corner and then holds the shield up in front of the party, expecting a blast in their direction. Good idea. Okay, so it takes about 20 seconds, and you hear this horrendous humming noise. It almost sounds a lot like when the shrine was humming up before it exploded, so that may be an unpleasant reminder for many of you. Yeah. But just as it's getting to that point where it's going... Then there's a blast that comes out of it, and the machine shakes itself apart from the force of it. As the blast goes up through what is above it a glass dome, uh, shards of glass rain down all around the area, not on you because you found a defensible position, but they've rained down all around the area. You see them tinkling as they crash to the ground, though your ears are ringing from the, from the, the, the sound of it. And there's uh, a tremor, a shaking. You hear the dogs barking just down the stairs. You hear some other crashing noises from elsewhere in the mall. Some other stuff might be falling apart right now. And then it's done. The machine lies in pieces. It is literally shaking itself apart in this uh, effort. And above it, at about a you know, at an angle that looks like it's walkable, is a hole, a tunnel. Emran wipes the blood from his ears. Keva reflexively like reaches out to like make sure everyone's there and safe. Okay, as you do that, the silver hair comes out and forms a parasol above all of you. <laughs> Whoa! That's the coolest shit I ever heard in my life. So there you go. You've got you've made the tunnel. You've done it, as far as you can tell. Because it's uh, nighttime up on the surface, there's no light filtering down. Uh, maybe the moons aren't in this part of the sky. The solitary moons. Now, you know, I was wondering about those. Do they have, like, how much do they look like our moon? Like, are there discernible craters, like, trying to make them look like actual moons? Or they're just a disc? They are a pair of, it looks like, gigantic eyes. Oh. Uh -huh. No pupils or irises or anything. Just two big white discs that are eye-shaped. So, not discs. Um, eye-shaped things, lights in the sky. Big space, brother. Yeah, it's got to put eyes up in the sky, right? To keep people safe at night. Uh-huh. That takes a lot of the romance out of the moon, you know. You don't say. Michel Foucault is just spinning in his grave. <laughs> He'd be very excited by all this. Uh, okay. What do you do? Do we have a map to get from the station to the coordinates? Uh, you do for... Well, you have, you have a direction. You know... You, you know you may know how to navigate uh, in the night, uh, in the in the open. Like you'll know the directions. You know which way each moon 
indicates, and uh, you know the direction you have to go. And maybe you have a compass or something. Uh, I'm sure there's a compass function in in, uh, Matt Damon. I imagine that since Zonin and Kevr were both in different parts of the cavalry, that they would have more experience with that sort of thing, since they were more mobile units. Yeah, I mean, you all would have been taught in the military how to navigate, just the boats, at least. No, if we had stars, we could use those, but... Nope, someone was too cheap. Hard, hard. <laughs> Government cutbacks get us all. <laughs> First they took my health care, then they took the literal stars. Would you like to enter the tunnel? Certainly. Okay. Yep. So you start walking through the tunnel. There's uh, just enough room to stand up, but you do have to hunch a little bit, I guess, uh, as you're walking through. Def- definitely Emrin does. Yeah, Emrin will. Definitely. Aaron's too tall for this. Um, and the floor is, you know, it's rough enough that you've got purchase and the angle is such that you can, you can walk up it, but it is a long tunnel and it's fairly dark. Thanks. Thankfully, you've got the lights from uh, Zone and Selman. And you're walking for, at this angle, a little over a kilometer before you get to the surface. When you arrive at the surface, uh, already there's, you can see there's dust filling the air. Uh, sand filling the air as well, and some starting to pour into the tunnel as well. Uh, the air is fairly cool, but you can feel the air is sort of charged here. There's like that feeling just after or before a lightning strike. Does Keva's like bumps or whatever react to it? Uh, you feel a slight crackling in your temples. Okay. Emmerman takes a swig of brackish water from his Nalgene canteen from one of the stores. <laughs> You're on the surface now. Kevo looks at the sky for the first time in many, many weeks. Yeah, it's been two months since you were outside, any of you. Emron breathes in the fresh air. There's a lot of sand in it. You cough. Delicious. Uh, is your light still on there, Zonin? Uh, no, I'm actually going to remove my helmet to take a look at the sky as well. Okay, you take your helmet off, the eye sets. I mean, you can see decently, that's the purpose of the moons, but yeah, there is definitely a pillar of sand reaching up into the sky from this hole. Does it look like a mushroom? No, it's just more like a pillar. Though it is starting to collapse at the top. We may want to move. Yeah, before the sun comes up and we bake. Now, which way is east? I put the helmet back on and discern direction. I ask Zonin to turn off the beacon. Now, uh, Zonin, have you have you given the coordinates you're headed to to the Matt Damon? Um, yes. Okay. Uh, so Matt Damon places, like, a pillar of light on the horizon and says, There you go, boss. That's where you're going. Can only he, he see it, or oh, is he it... he can see it with the helmet on. Okay. Oh. Just setting a waypoint? Yep. It's like he's Navi or something. A gruffer Navi. Hey, check it out. Hey, hey. Hey, listen. Listen, look, hey. <laughs> oh. oh man, does that mean his his fun- uh, targeting function is zonin targeting or is Zed targeting? <laughs> yes. Yes, it is now. Please learn to play the ocarina. <laughs> done and done. Emrin places a hand on Maeve and uh, whispers rather conspiratorially into her ear. The auditors were able to find us back in the village because I had kept that wire. If they had a mind to look and investigate this pillar of sand, I'm sure they'd be scanning for similar technology, you know? That they would. I wonder if Hub wasn't able to de- diffuse some sort of tracking thing on this tech. It's all rather. Uh, my shield specifically, or um, the auditor equipment in particular. Uh, both good points. Hub, as you know, came to some sort of agreement with Matt Damon that said he would help you out, but uh, he's also made it very clear that given the chance, he will go directly back to the church. Armed with said knowledge, um, Emran whispers to uh, whispers to Maeve, I think that once the usefulness of Zonin's helmet has been extended, we should dispose of it in a rather permanent fashion. Zonin, you hear this loud and clear. I would like to attempt to have made that sneaky. If not... Okay. I'll do it. All right, we're going to get a sneaky roll. 
I'm going to be really sneaky right now. Sneak incredibly. So, uh, Zonin, you hear that loud and clear. Okay. Uh, duly noted. So what do you all want to do now? I'll assume that that helmet probably has some sort of listening mechanism. So just loud enough, I'll tell Emrin, ideally we can turn them to help us, but if necessity demands. Good. Yeah, Zonin, you, you hear that too, because that was deliberately pitched to be heard. Sounds good. So the four of you, you set off across the desert? Yeah, we, uh, I head toward the pillar of light. I follow. There we go. Onwards. Okay. Uh, it's not a very exciting walk, for the most part, because you're just walking through the desert at night, and it's flat, and it's sand. You see the occasional, like, rabbit, fox, scooting around, some lizards. Zonin, you almost step on a scorpion before your helmet warns you off. That would have been an unmitigated disaster, so thank you, Helmet. Maybe your high tops would have saved you. Can I try to communicate with the insects on the surface? You, it's the same deal as you have with any small insect. You can sense where they are, and they are drawn to you. So you eventually have like a little posse of scorpions and little hunter spiders and stuff, other insects trailing after you, diving in and out of the sand, curious. I'm like their Moses. Yeah, As we're trailing along, I would like to pay specific attention to the way that, uh, you know, the way that Matt Damon is digging into Zonin's skull, just in case that could act as a way to disable future auditors. Okay. Uh, it's not bleeding anymore. It appears that was just the first insertion. But from what you can see, the, the spike is underneath the helmet itself. So the only information you have about it right now is that there is some type of spike going into, you assume, Zonin's uh, spinal cord. Now, are we going to have a montage where we're like, water, <laughs> water, you know? No, you I don't need it. I don't need it. I don't need it. You brought water with you. Oil. Oil. Okay, so as you're approaching, you're a couple of kilometers out from that waypoint that uh, Zonin, you can tell you're a couple of kilometers out because there's a, a range finder on your helmet that's telling you how far you've got to go. And then uh, all of a sudden, all of you could make a quick roll. As always, I am the fastest man alive. Gotta go fast. Okay. So, uh, Maeve, just before it happens, you notice that there's sand shifting all around all of you. And then there is a group of people standing around you, holding weapons. Oh, thank God it's not a sandworm. They're sand people. No, they're people and they're standing in sand, so yes. They're all wearing you know, uh, clothing the color of sand and sort of camouflage-style netting and stuff. So they basically stand up out of the sand, and they are pointing weapons at you. Spears, swords. Did they come single file? They did not. They're surrounding you. Obi-Wan lied. Emrin uh, will do nothing, because it's not his turn. No, it's not turns right now. This is just, this has happened. Maeve, you saw it right before it happened, but now there's a dozen people around you. Would uh, Keva's reflexes have brought the hair out and kind of like shielding everyone? Or... How are you feeling when you see all these people stand up? Are you feeling like you want to attack or you want to retreat? Freaked out. Yeah, but like fight or flight, which one are you feeling? Or freeze? Freeze. Okay, nothing happens then. The hair stays where it is. I think I would let everyone know to stay calm. No. It probably wouldn't help to broadcast our abilities. So these people are standing around you, and there's a sort of tense moment of silence. And then one of them says, Who brought an auditor out here? Ooh, ah, uh, mm, Not an auditor. I removed the helmet. Yeah, I mean, they know that there are people in auditors. They're just, they're squinting their eyes at you, and they're like, That was a silly move, auditor. No, he's not an auditor. Uh, our friend killed an auditor, and he has the helmet now. The only thing he'll be auditing is your haberdashery. The only thing, when you want to convince people of something, you have to be flashy. If it's true. Oh. All right, I will uh, tell them the truth. I'm a humble hat maker with a fascination for head coverings, and when I saw this, Helmet, I had to try, and they can't blame me, for I'm just a humble boy. Okay, give it a try. Oh, no. That was a zero. <sighs> you did get a zero there, but let's see how they do. Okay, 
They are amazing. Astonishingly, Uh, a negative one person in the lead, and they put their spear down a little bit, and they're still looking at you with suspicion. How did you find an auditor helmet, and how did you get it on without dying? Boy, do we have a story for you. Yeah, who are you? What are you doing? How did you find us? Are you familiar with the name Lean? We know of a Lean, maybe. It's a long and sordid tale. You'll laugh. You'll cry. But you'll probably just mostly feel like crying because there's a lot of uh, stuff going on. Lean asked us to find Mandukai. So if you could just point us in the right direction, that'd be great. From the rear of the group comes a person wearing brighter robes than the rest. As she stands, you see that she is, astonishingly enough, even taller than Emrin. Well, I love her. I love her so much. She walks towards you. She's holding the strangest looking spear. It's a monk's spade. One side of it has a crescent moon blade, and the other side is basically a shovel. And she's got these green robes. They're green and gold, and they're bright. Her hair, jet black, is wrapped around her head beneath another bright green wrap. Essentially, she's solid muscle. Every aspect of her exudes power and majesty. There's a tangible desire to kneel at her very approach. The hair coming from her chin is braided and twisted up with green, gold, and purple bows arranged in five spikes, like the bottom half of the sun. She has a look on her face, imperious but not cruel, as if she expects obedience but offers compassion in return. Piercing bronze eyes come to rest on each of the four of you for just a moment each, and it feels as if her gaze is a mountain. She allows the silence to stretch until it is only just bearable, then says, I am Mandukai Alarmuti, whose joy is the fire, High Priestess of the Dunes and Champion of Veliko. What brings you to my oasis? End of episode. That's hype. Damn. Champion of Velico. Oh, wow. I think you'll like her, uh, assuming you survive meeting her. Yeah, we're not going to want to tell her that Velico is not a god, I think. (laughs) Maybe not, but who knows? All right, so that's the end of our session. You have made it to... You found Mandukai, as Lean suggested. And uh, next time... We're going to see how that goes down. And until the next time, all the best. All the best, folks. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. See you next time. I guess I should probably have you tell us where we can find you, seeing as this is a new episode. So let's just rewind a few seconds. Hi, everyone. I'm Geekers. I play Keva Germa, the ever-lovable magic hair woman, I guess now. And you can find me at Twitter at BizSpaceCat. I'm OG Brown Sugar, and I play Maeve Sentis, the mother of spiders, and apparently the Professor Xavier to these gifted youngsters. You will not find me anywhere on the interwebs, unfortunately. Howdy, I'm Salas Dreas, otherwise known as Mike Blood, and I play Emran Pak, and you can find me on Twitter at GoodSirBlood. I'm Jason, the singing chemist. I play Zonin Chan, the non-credited auditor. And you can find me on Twitter at, at singingchemist. And I'm Matt, your guide here and your master of ceremonies. You can find me on Twitter at Ycaliber, or you can follow the show at Splinters of a Broken Sun. If you want to read about the lore of the land, constantly updated, check us out at splintersofabrokensun.tumblr.com. And until the next time, all the best.